Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast. Today we're starting a series called Resurrection. And it's because I, I am not upset with you if you say the other word, but it's because we're leading to a Resurrection Sunday gathering. I'm not mad about the other thing, but this is what I'm calling it. This is, you know, my wife and I lead this church, so we get to call things what we want to call them. We're having a Resurrection Sunday gathering. Say it with me. Resurrection Sunday, because that is what it's about. We're, ra- we're praising the risen one. We're celebrating his resurrection. Amen? Come on. That's how it works. So not mad at you. I'm not upset. I'm not judging you. My wife is <laughs> making me take my one-year-old son to, a, to an egg hunt the day before, and it's cool. I'm not upset. Whatever. But on Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrected one. Amen. Come on, somebody. So I want to answer the question today, what is resurrection life? What is resurrection life? Okay. And Sandy Holman, who spoke last week and tore it up. Oh, my gosh. So good. If you missed it and haven't heard the podcast, you must go listen to that. You will be encouraged, and you'll probably shout her down from your car seat, your car like I did. I was shouting her down from my car listening to it while driving. Like, come on, Sandy. You know, she couldn't hear me, but I really wanted to say it. Anyway, uh, she said this amazing one-liner, and I, I love it. She said, we can't say we have resurrection power and not use it. <laughs> Boom is right. We can't say we have resurrection power and not use it. That's ridiculousness. And I just want to add that we can't say we have resurrection life and claim that death is our daily operating procedure. <laughs> Listen, very important. We came to the cross to die once and for all. And then we're raised with him to live forevermore. Okay? I want to be a third-day Christian. I don't know about you. You know what I'm saying? The cross is vital. You, you cannot accuse me of, like, lessening the value of the cross. Like, we have a two-minute conversation. We're talking about the cross. I just, the whole Vanguard Collective, they'll tell you, all we do is talk about the cross. That's all we do, right? But when it comes to this, what marks our life, it can't be a death because that's not the end of the story. Next week, I'm going to tell you that I'm, gonna, I'm letting the cat out of the bag right now. That Jesus on Palm Sunday was not heading to his death. He was heading to his resurrection. So many say he was heading to his, no, were you paying attention? He said it like six times. I'm going to die and then raise again on the third day. I'll raise again. And even the angels, when they came, you remember this, to the tomb? I'm getting into next week. Sorry. The angels are like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He told you he was going to raise three days later. What? You know what I mean? Like. Even the angels are like, what's wrong with y'all? You know what I mean? (laughs) What is wrong? Anyway, so our lives can't be marked by dying daily. It has to be by living daily, okay? And if you have a problem with that theologically, read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 15. You'll see he's not talking about dying to self. He's talking about putting his life on the line for preaching the resurrected one. (laughs) So... There you go. Here's my thing you need to take. Here's the, here's the thing. You hear nothing else, so you need to hear this, all right? Ears on. Ears are on. Okay. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. I'm going to talk about that. So there's the day of Christ's resurrection. That's an event. That's a resurrection event. 
right? You follow me? And we're celebrating that in two weeks. And then there's a future resurrection coming. 1 Thessalonians 4.15 says the day, or the 16, the dead in Christ will rise first. Hello? So I'm not saying there are no resurrection events. I'm saying resurrection is not an event. It's a person. It's a person. There's a historical event of resurrection, and there's a future event of resurrection. But that does not define resurrection. Are you okay? Okay. I'll prove it to you. John 11, 25 through 26. I'm going to read you um, a, a lot of John 11 today because I believe in the public reading of Scripture. Do we have that one verse secluded or no? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. That's okay. I'll read it to you. Jesus said, and this is talking to Martha, he says, you don't have to wait. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, he will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. That's John eleven twenty five through 26 in the Passion Translation. He's, he's having a theological discourse with Martha, and she's, we're going to read it. And he says, I am the resurrection. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. Are you following me? That person has done things. There's been events that that person has, has enacted. But resurrection cannot be secluded in our thinking, and especially in this season, to celebrating a past event. It has to be marking our life in the everyday. I'm right about this. It's good. Let's read John 11. I have it on the screens for you. <laughs> He's so arrogant. It's weird. John 11. I can hear your thoughts. I can hear them. <laughs> I'm going to read it for you. I have it on the screens because it's in the Passion Translation. I'm going to read all 27 of these verses because we need to read the Bible, y'all. In the village of Bethany, there was a man named Lazarus. Many of you know this story, but don't tune it out. And his sisters, Mary and Martha. Mary was the one who would anoint Jesus' feet with costly perfume and dry his feet with her long hair. One day, Lazarus became very sick to the point of death. So his sisters sent a message to Jesus. Good idea, right? <laughs> Lord, our brother Lazarus, the one you love, is very sick. Please come. All right? This tells you a little bit about their relationship. They were tight. You know, they were dear friends. When he heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death for Lazarus, but will bring glory and praise to God. This will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. This is why you need to really, really tune into what the Father is doing instead of just whacking away at your, with your spiritual prayer and your spiritual whatever. You got to pay attention to what God is doing. But Jesus was consulting with the Father. And he knew that it would not end in death, but he knew it had to, it had to, death had to come for what God wanted to do to come. Are you following me? So Martha and Mary wanted a healing. Jesus wanted a resurrection. And many of us are wanting God to do it ABC, but he's like, no, no, I'm like over here in like T, you know, land. I'm way down here on the other end of the alphabet, all right? So <clears throat> verse Five. Now, even though Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, he remained where he was for two more days. Doesn't look like love. <laughs> Wait a minute. You heal the sick all the time, and now I told you I'm sick, and you're not doing anything about it. Sound familiar? Anybody? <laughs> like your life, maybe? <laughs> uh, finally, on the third day, say the third day. 
He said to his disciples, come, it's time to go to Bethany. But teacher, they said to him, do you really want to go back there? It was just a short time ago the people of Judea were going to stone you. In case you forgot, Jesus, they hate you over there. They tried to kill you last time. Are you sure you want us to go there? I mean, you sure you want to go there? Are you sure? Yeah, okay. Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. Where's that? Come on, you can go. Let's read it again. You can go through a day without the fear of stumbling. <clears throat> hey, that sounds awesome. What if we believed that stuff? <laughs> you can go through a day without the fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world. But you will stumble when the light is not in you, for you'll be walking in the dark. Pretty simple math, right? Then Jesus added, Lazarus, our friend, has fallen asleep. It's time that I go and awaken him. And that just confused him real bad. He says, it says, when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's just fallen asleep, then he'll get better. <laughs> you hear what they're not saying, but they're really saying, it's like, so we don't have to go to the place where they want us to kill you? Because he's just sleeping. He's taking a nap. It's all good. He's probably getting healed in the nap, napville, you know what I mean? So we don't have to go, right? Yeah, not the case. If he's just falling asleep, he'll get better. Jesus was speaking about Lazarus' death, but the disciples presumed he was talking about natural sleep. You ever heard a word of the Lord and not understood at all? Uh-huh. <clears throat> you thought you understood. You even confidently proclaimed it, and you didn't get it at all. Totally missed it. Yeah. Just me? Okay, just me. Gotcha. Then Jesus made it plain to them. Hallelujah. Then Jesus made it plain to them. Lazarus is dead. <laughs> Come on, if you're bored with this stuff, this is a great story. Can't you see the discourse? Hey, guys, he dead. All right, in case you're confused. Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. What? Because now you have another opportunity to see who I am, to see who I am so that you will learn to trust in me. Come, let's go and see him. Sometimes God does it in a way that doesn't actually answer your prayer, but it builds your trust. He wants you to trust him more than he wants to answer your prayer. Because we see as in a glass dimly. We don't always pray the things we ought to pray, right? Come on. So, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, remarked to the other disciples, still not getting it. Let's go so we can die with him. <laughs> this just tells you they still think, oh, we're going to go die. We're going to get stoned to death. It tells you how intense it was in Judea the last time, you know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Hilarious. Is he sleeping? Is he dead? I don't know, but we're going to die. That's for sure. It's weird. <laughs> Following Jesus is a roller coaster event, just letting you know. Now, when they arrived at Bethany, which was only about two miles from Jerusalem, that's like means it was close to where they wanted to kill him last time, you know. Jesus found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb for four days. Many friends of Mary and Martha had come from the region to console them over the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was approaching the village, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Now pay very close attention here. Martha said to Jesus, my Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Jesus told her, your brother will rise and live. And here is unveiled 
the misconception that still plagues us. This is the misconception that still plagues the church. She shows it to you. She replied, yeah, I know he'll rise with everyone on resurrection day. Yeah, I know he'll be healed in heaven. Yeah, I know about the resurrection event. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And Martha, Jesus said, you don't have to wait until them. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, he will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Then Martha answered, smart girl, yes, Lord, I do. I've always believed that you are the anointed one, the son of God, who has come into the world for us. Got a revelation of who she's actually talking to. She's talking to the person of resurrection. Amen? Come on. That's where I'm going to stop. Yeah, that's all I got there. Verse 27. So this moment, if you see yourself in this story and you see yourself saying, yeah, 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 I know that uh, we'll all rise again. I know that we'll be healed in heaven. I know all that. Let this challenge you for a moment that Jesus is saying to you, no, no, I am. I am. I am that thing you're waiting for. I am. Yes, he is. And the word resurrection, actually, in the Greek, it's anastasis. It's from two words. It's from ana, which means up or again, and histemai, which means to stand. So this literally means to stand up again. Okay? So, yeah, I get it. In the resurrection events, we're going to stand up again. Those who have died in Christ will rise first, right? I'm not taking that away. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Okay? But here's the deal. Right now, today, Christ, the person of resurrection, wants to stand up again inside of you. He wants to prove who he is in you. And so many of us are waiting for the, the event because we think resurrection is a historical event or a future event. Res resurrection is not an event. It's a person. I'm going to repeat that line like all day. Just, just brace yourself, okay? You need to get this. So uh, Brian Simmons, his commentary on verse 1125 when Jesus says, I am the resurrection, he says, resurrection is superior to life for life can be defeated and ended. But resurrection overcomes. What do you call it? You're called more than an overcomer. Life is the power to exist, but resurrection is the power to conquer all, even death itself. Life is the power to exist, but resurrection is the power to conquer all, even death itself. Believers must learn to live in Christ our life, but also Christ our resurrection. To conquer all things. When we have the safety, note, uh, safety net of, well, if it doesn't happen now, it'll happen in heaven. When you create that safety net, you make resurrection an event, and you don't agree with the person of resurrection that's urging to stand up inside of you and reach out and do something cool. All right? So this is why it's so important to understand that resurrection is not an event. It's a person. When we look to the story of Christ's resurrection each year, we have to see it as an invitation to conquer all things today. We have to look at the resurrection story as an invitation to be marked by resurrection power in your everyday life. And it's not you're doing, it's not like you're going, yeah, we have a school, we're launching it. But it's not even like about that, like going to school and getting trained. It's just because he has risen, he wants to stand up inside of you. And you can operate in that same power right now. All you got to do is take a step. Chase an ambulance. I don't know where you're at. Do something. Uh, I have friends who have raised the dead. I have two friends I know personally who have raised the dead. They're not nut jobs. They're not crazy. I know them personally. 
It's, it's not a Bible story. It's not an event. It's a person called Jesus Christ, the resurrected one, living inside of us. The same power, Ephesians 1, that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. The immeasurably great power, Ephesians 1 says. You can't even measure how powerful you are. So the resurrection season with Palm Sunday and Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, all that, is not meant to be simply a look back at an event in history. It's supposed to be a revelation of the conquering power that's living and active in each one of us today. This is not just a look back. It's a revelation of what's inside of you. Like the, the power of like 15 nuclear reactors. I don't know what you want to call it. Inside of you. Locked up in there. <laughs> resurrection is not an event. It's a person. So... I'm just going to clarify this one more time. Yes, there will be a final day with the resurrection of all those who have fallen asleep in Christ. I'm going to say it again. First Thessalonians 4.16. My veggie tales almost came out just there. First Thessalonians. <laughs> Grew up in church, y'all. But that is not supposed to be the only time we see resurrection power manifest. We're supposed to see it today and every day. And it feels like I'm repeating myself. I am. I'm trying to convince you. That resurrection is not just a thing that's going to happen. It's a person that lives in you. I am, he said, the resurrection. I am. Is Christ in you? Is he ever going to leave? What can't you conquer? This is why it really boils me up on the inside to hear people say, oh, yeah, you'll never be free from that struggle or that sin. You'll struggle your whole life. That boils me to no end. Because that tells me you have very little revelation of the resurrection power of God, the resurrected one. And we partner with that idea when we, we abdicate it to an event, either historical or future. Yeah? Has anyone been guilty of thinking that way? I have. Yeah. Come on. Ooh. So <clears throat> later on in John 11, just so you know, like, I want to read you the rest of the story. So you know, like, Lazarus, Lazarus actually raised from the dead. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't just a saying. Anyway. Chapter 11, verse 38 through 45, it says, Then Jesus, with intense emotions, oh, let me mention this really quickly. Before that, I love, that this, I love this story. You should read all of chapter 11 of John this week. I love this story because Martha comes and says this, this statement. He said, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Mary comes and says the exact same thing. If you're here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus speaks to them very differently. This is just the wisdom of God that you need to get an impartation for, okay? Jesus meets us on our level. Life Care Network, one of the reasons I love them is they meet people on their level. They're not way up here saying jump. They're coming down to their level and saying, what do you need? I'm going to meet you right there, no matter what you choose, right? Jesus meets us on our level. He had a theological argument with Martha, okay? And he cried with Mary, same question. They came with the same thing. She said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And they have a theological debate. Jesus and Martha, that's what we read. Mary comes and said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus wept. You need to know when to weep and when to debate. <laughs> and I'm just saying, there's a whole lot of debate. Not a lot of weeping with those who are hurting. Especially not when it comes to abortion. I know they do. I'm saying us, the bride of Christ. Jesus meets us on our level. So he met Mary there and cried with her. And then, verse 38, we catch up the story. Then Jesus, with intense emotions, came to the tomb. 
a cave with a stone placed over its entrance. Jesus told them, roll away the stone. And Martha said, but Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now his body is already decomposing. This is Martha. She made a declaration of belief. She's not walking it very well. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I do believe, but uh, he's going to stank. Jesus, he's gonna, it's going to smell bad. You open that thing up. <laughs> ha. By now his body is already decomposing. Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you? Come on, sometimes Jesus got to look at you and say, didn't I tell you? Come on, like a good father. Like everybody's got this hippie rainbow version of Jesus. No, he's got all of that and a bag of chips. He's sometimes like, weren't you listening? <laughs> all right. <laughs> didn't I tell you? That if you believe in me, you will see God unveil his power. Come on. So they rolled away the heavy stone. Jesus gazed into heaven and said, this is so important. You guys need to pay attention to your Bible when God talks to God. Okay? Like John 17 is a conversation between God and God. You should probably spend some time there. You get an inside track on God speaking to God about stuff. It's important. This is one of those moments. Jesus looks up into heaven and says, Father, thank you that you have heard my prayer. For you listen to every word I speak. Now so that these who stand here with me will believe that you have sent me to the earth as your messenger, I will use the power that you have given me. Then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted with authority, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. And then in front of everyone, Lazarus, who had died four days earlier, slowly hobbled out. You seeing this? I watch it like a movie in my head. He still had grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands and feet and covering his face. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. From that day forward, many of those who had come to visit Mary believed in him, for they had seen with their own eyes this amazing miracle. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And when that person speaks, resurrection events occur. And he's going to come with a shout from heaven. That's a resurrection shout. You following me? Yes. I love this story. And I love some parts of that. I'm just going to read, preach the end of it here. And when it says, in front of everyone, Jesus, or Lazarus came out, hobbled out. He still had his grave clothes tightly wrapped around his hands, his feet, and covering his face. Say, his hands, his feet, and covering his face. Hands are a symbol of ability to work. Feet are a symbol of ability to share. You know, let the feet of the gospel go share the gospel with the uh, sandals of peace, right? Blessed are those who, uh, the feet of those who bring good news. It's about sharing. So hands is about, it's a picture of working with your hands, ability to provide, ability to give. Feet are about going and sharing to the nations. Face is about intimacy. And I love this picture. I love that it mentions that they had to, he said, unbind his hands, his feet, and his face. Now, did you notice that Jesus didn't command the grave clothes off? Did you notice that Jesus raised Lazarus and left him in his grave clothes and said to the people, hey, unwrap that guy. Here's what happens. Because of the abdicate, oof, ah, I'm going to be as soft as I can. I'll be gentle. Caleb, be gentle. <laughs> Just talking to myself for a minute here. <laughs> because we have relegated resurrection to an event, we're leaving people in their grave clothes. You've been co-resurrected with Christ. Nothing I can do about that. You've been raised by the power of the gospel. But your grave clothes got to be a bridal. It's a community event. The church is the one that sets free your hands. 
The church is the one that sets your feet free. The church is the one that brings you into intimacy and allows you to see, unblinds you. And because we have called resurrection an event, this is the root of the issue. Because we've called resurrection an event, we got people hobbling in their grave clothes saying, Jesus loves you. What was that? I can't hear you. There's something over your mouth. I'm suffering from sin. You should get saved too. You'll be like me. <laughs> we exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. That middle one, the found to be free, that means you've got to get some grave clothes off. Your ability to do the work of God, your hands, needs to be unbound. That's through the ministry of the Word and the Spirit in a community of believers, the fellowship of faith, right? We need each other. Say, we need each other. Jesus didn't take his grave clothes off. He didn't get up there and I think maybe because he smelled bad. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, the, <laughs> he didn't smell bad. I'm pretty convinced. Anyway, he commanded the people, his friends, his community to come alongside him and release him from his bondage. There's a lot of found people bound up right now, probably in this room. And if we don't start to believe that the resurrection person lives inside of us, it'll stay that way. But if we start to believe that resurrection life, which is more powerful than life itself, it conquers all, it overcomes all, is living inside of us. And your job, now that you're free, maybe you got unbound. Has anyone been freed from some stuff? I have. Yeah, come on. Look at all these free people. So you're not wearing grave clothes anymore. Your job and your assignment on the earth is to express the resurrection power of God and release people from their bondage. In the church, they come in bound, and then they get released in the community of faith. The problem is a lot of them, a lot of churches want the people to get free so that we'll like them when they get in here. A lot of us are like, hey, you smell bad. Stay out there until you get your act together. Stop doing drugs. Stop watching porn. Stop cussing. Don't spit. Don't chew. Don't hang with those who do. And then you can come in here and sit with us because we think resurrection is an event. Resurrection is a person in your chair right now. If you've said yes to Jesus, this is what we believe, that you've been brought into union with Christ right now. Union with the believer, or I'm sorry, the believer's life does not end in union. It begins there. Adam Clark, a comment, he, comment, he did a commentary. He talked about the Bible once. I wrote it down, and I read it. Uh, he's a Methodist signs and wonders guy, Adam Clark. And he said, if you are waiting for death to be set free from sin, you've crowned death your Savior and not Christ. He also said that you are no more, you are, you are sanctified by faith in as much as you are justified by faith. The same faith, the faith of God, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified in union with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if grace came through the law, Christ would have died for no reason. That's 2.20 and 21. Galatians 2.20 through 21. So it's not about us shouting rules, saying, get the rules right, come be culturally, come and be like me because I really only love me. I love all the me I see in you. I don't see much me in you, so I need you to get me-er, me-er, and then come in here, and then we can be together. No, no, no. We say, hey, you, you caught up in witchcraft? Front row, baby. You can sit next to me. 
Oh, you got, you got, uh, you got, you, you got drug problems? That's awesome. Let's have dinner. Oh, you steal? You know Judas was a thief, right? You know who gave Judas the money bag? Jesus isn't afraid to give Judas the money bag, knowing he's going to steal from it. Why? Because he's, he is accepting all the misfits. He wants the misfits. And some of you are misfits in church. A lot of you are church misfits. I get that. But you need to understand we're turning a corner as a church. The resting place is not just going to be here for the misfits of the church. It's for the misfits of the world. Okay? And if you see them, you need to bring them. Let them sit next to you. I don't care how they smell. I don't care how they talk. Well, I had a guy at one of our first meetings, like, heckling me and cussing at me while I was preaching. It's not going to bother me. I'm fine. He was in the back row. I wanted him in the front, really. I wanted him in the spit zone. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to bother me, okay? I'm good. But we got this clean bubble because we're waiting to be resurrected. We're waiting for the rescue mission. Just got our ticket out of hell, and we're waiting to get beamed up. I, that's a good word, Caleb. That's a really good word. It's okay. I brought my own encouragement. Don't worry. I brought it. It's good. Resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And who are we if we don't express him? We're just like everybody else. Resurrection power is the delineating factor. You understand? Like, this is what makes the difference in the church. Supposedly, according to this, it's not programs and three steps to a better that and ten steps to a better this. It's not any of that. It's a person called resurrection living inside of us, conquering everything in front of us. There's nothing that resurrection power can't conquer. And if you're filled with the resurrected one, there's nothing that you can't conquer. And so if you, this, why am I, I'm circling back here, because if you start to believe that about you, you won't be intimidated by them. You'll have friends who are in a homosexual lifestyle. It won't bother you, because you got the big stick, so to speak. You got the power in the situation. You're the one that's supposed to set them free. But the lost won't be found if all the found people are bound and look like the lost people. They don't want to be found. I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to feel guilty about myself for doing all the things that I'm doing now. I'm going to keep doing the things I'm doing now because I know they do all the things I'm doing now. I'm going to keep being poor and impoverished and all this stuff because none of them are showing any type of strides towards success. Their hands are still bound. They're not doing anything that's worth envying. You know we're supposed to make the Jews envious? <laughs> like financially, spiritually, all that. Who's winning that one? Yeah. Come on. Why? Because we're walking around in our grave clothes and calling it new life. <laughs> it's not okay. It's not okay with me. Resurrection is not an event. Somebody help me. That's right. It's a person. It's a person. So they loose his hands so that he can do the works of God. Right? They loose his feet so that he can go share those things. And they take his blindfold off. They, they help him see so that he can have intimacy that empowers him towards others. You're not supposed to stay needy as a believer. You're supposed to be empowered to walk and stand on your own and be a solution for someone. And we've built this paradigm where everybody needs the guy in the white shirt with Dots on it. I don't know what this is. He, all the, this, I bought this, and I was like, babe. I told my wife, I was like, I bought a pastor shirt. Oh, no. <laughs> I did. 
This feels like a grave clothes, just saying. But don't worry, I won't take it off. I won't take it off. Whatever. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks so much. Yes. I don't even remember where I was going with that, except that God wants you to stand up on your own legs. God wants you empowered. God wants you to be, some, you to be releasing others. Not you coming here and listening to me. Are you coming here listening to anyone on the team? You're supposed to come here to get revelation and equipment to do the work of the ministry. So you go out and you be the solution. This is what it means to be an apostolic family. This is what it means to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you need me to talk to you every week, talk you up into a, a tissy so you'll do that, we got problems. Problems. How many of you have, oh man, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, I'll do it because you're good. You're good. How many of you have known the Lord for 20 years or more? Raise your hand. That's me. Okay, 30 years or more? 40 years or more? 50 years or more? Okay, so there were like six of you who have known the Lord for 40 years. <clears throat> Demons should be flocking to you right now and bowing a knee and saying, have you come to torture me before the appointed time? And you say, yes, yes, I have, in fact. Get out. Are, by and large, is the church effective in this way? Are they effective? The longer they're in the church, are they more free? It's because we've believed resurrection is not a person. It's an event. We're waiting for the resurrection power to come, split open the sky. It already did. At his baptism, the sky was open. It never got closed. What are you talking about? Open heaven. It never shut. It's an open heaven everywhere you go. It's an open heaven everywhere. <laughs> Jesus, help us. Help us, Lord. Let me just share a couple of things with you, uh, statistics, and then we'll land the plane here. I hope you're not, like, hurt or anything. Your feelings aren't hurt. I'm not here for your feelings. I'm here for him. I'm here to obey. That's just what I'm doing. Ha, ha, ha. People don't preach like this when they start a church. Nobody talks like this at the beginning, just so you know. This is like how to lose church members, number like 101. Intimidate them, tell them that they're weak and feeble and they need to grow up. That's how to lessen your congregation. Yep, it is time to grow up. The people are dying. It is not about you. <clears throat> people are being trafficked right now. Women are being raped right now while you're sitting in that chair. In this city, probably within 20 miles of us. You think I care more about your feelings than that? No, I do not. Okay, no one's standing up and leaving. All right, so statistically, <laughs> you know, Jesus shook the stick. and was like, see how, they, how long you can hang on? He's like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, or else you have no part in me. In sermon, who's going to stick around after that? He's like, you really want to follow? That's the deal. We need some more Christians like that. <laughs> so some, one statistic that really bothers me, I learned from a book called Heavy Rain, and this is part of the reason I'm so on tilt about this, especially in this season of getting a revelation of the resurrection power in you, because we need to be effective, guys. In the United States, this is a study done by a, a third party, not a church study, but a study done by, I don't remember the name of the research company. Anyway, <clears throat> Chris Valton in his book, Heavy Rain, talks about it, and he says that in the churches, pay attention now, the churches, I'm sorry, in the cities that have the highest church attendance, as per capita, meaning the most amount of people going to church 
per capita, per people in that city, they have the worst social statistics in the United States. There's a direct correlation to church attendance and social statistics, like poverty, violent crime, things like that. <laughs> you following that? Did you hear that? Where there's more people going to church, there's more problems on the street. That ain't right. It's not right. We're not going to be those people. It starts with a belief issue because the work of God is to believe, John 6, 29. You have to believe that you have the solution to the problem. You have to believe that there's a power in you that can conquer that thing you're looking at. You have to believe crazy. Like we believe in our vision statement, we are going to end human trafficking in my lifetime. It's in our vision statement in Tampa. I'm just talking about Tampa. Tampa, it will be a historical footnote. My grandkids will say, that used to happen here. I'll say, yeah, that used to happen here. But some crazy people that believe the resurrected one lived inside of them rose up and said, no more. No more. You have to believe inside of you, you have the solution, the resurrection power, the overcoming power in you already. If you believe we're just waiting for that power to hit, you will remain ineffective. And that stat will stay true. I want to flip that stat. Yes, I want lots of people in church. Are you hearing me? I'm not saying get out of church and get in the streets. I'm saying we need the fellowship of believers so that the grave clothes can come off, right? I'm saying we need that. But we can't do it the way we've been doing. We just come, feed me, eat. They come, they eat, they leave. Not okay. And you eat once a week. That's really confusing to me. I Like, yeah. Anyway, Lord Jesus, help us. Would you just stand? I'm going to pray to close, and we're going to have the resurrection team. I'm so, yeah, that. They're called the restoration team, but today they're renamed the resurrection team. Come on, come on up. <clears throat> yes. I'm going to have Jimmy come up and close, but let me just pray first. And, you know, this doesn't have to be a rah-rah refest, but there's got to be something, something that rises up in you that says, I have the solution. Like, I, I've been given the power to overcome. Every difficulty, not only in my life, but the lives of my neighbors, my kids, my family, my city, my nation. There's a solution in you. Christ is the victor. Christ is the victorious one, and he wants to stand up again inside of you. So, Lord Jesus, help us. Reveal to our hearts and to our minds and to our spirits that resurrection is not an event. It's a person. And we get to partner with your person of resurrection to see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it no longer be a prayer. Let it be a personality. Ooh. Let the Lord's Prayer get off the page and become a personality inside each one of us. That there be the person of resurrection, the person of kingdom come, the person of will be done, the person of on earth as it is in heaven, exp this expressing itself through us every single day in little ways and big ways, Lord. We say, here we are. Use us. Come on, if that's you, say, here am I, use me. Here am I, use me, Lord. Yeah, Lord, and just forgive us for, thank you that you've always forgiven us. We just receive your forgiveness right now for abdicating our responsibility and waiting for an event when you've been here the whole time. You are the event. You are the event. We say yes to partnering with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We want to let you know about our new Wired for Greatness online discipleship platform. It equips you to do the work of God in your realm of influence. Check it out at wiredforgreatness.me. Enjoy this podcast.